We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, if you want to be turning there. Um, in the Bibles in the pew, it's on page 1142, and if you need a Bible and want to take one of these with you, it is our gift to you. You're welcome to take one with you, uh, but we'll be on page 1142 in these Bibles, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the Anne of Green Gables uh, series of books. Uh, they were written in the very early 1900s. I think the first one came out in 1908. Um, in the 80s, they were adapted for film and had uh, movies uh, throughout the different books. Um, there's a new Netflix series called Anne with an E. I have not seen it, so I do not endorse it, but uh, it is based on this series of books. Um, but there is a character in this story. It's the story of this orphan girl who is mistakenly dropped off with her elderly aunt and uncle. And so she really turns this uh, town around with her personality and her red hair. And um, so, so, yeah, we've got an amen from Corey over there. Um, but there is this character in the novels. I, I don't remember her showing up in the movies, but this character called Miss Cornelius um, and and Miss Cornelius is this very or, or Cornelia, sorry, um, is is this very uh, devout church-going woman in this small town, very pious woman, and she's having this conversation uh, with Miss Susan about one of their mutual friends that is not doing well health-wise. Uh, she is declining rapidly, not doing well. And Miss Susan replies, Oh, I'm afraid she's going to have to rely on the Lord now. As if this is the last-ditch effort. I'm going to have to rely on the Lord now. Miss Cornelia responds with horror, Oh no, surely it has not come to this. It has gotten so bad that we're going to have to rely on God now. Of course, there's lots of flawed theology there. Our understanding of who God is and, and what he promises us. Somehow this idea that you only rely on God when things are at the absolute worst. When you've come to the end and you can't, can't go any further and, and nothing else is going to work, then God can step in. Of course, we know that's not right. That God is present. God is faithful all along the way. We believe that, that God is faithful and that we, do, we don't believe that every prayer is going to be answered in just the way that we want it answered. God has his, his own way of viewing things and timeline of things, but God is present in all of that. And so for all of her piety, Miss Cornelia just misses the mark. She's entrusting her friend to God as a lost cause, as a last resort when it should be the very first thing that we do. We're in this series going through the promises of God. Last week we talked about the promise of new life. We looked at the story of, of Jesus' baptism and, and the gift that Jesus is, not just in his birth that we talk about at Christmas, but, but also in his ministry and in his death and in his resurrection. And God promises us so much. And it's easy for us to forget the promises of God. And so we spend this time at the front end of this year looking at what it is that God has promised us. It's easy for us to forget that we are in a covenant relationship with God, that, that we have this relationship with him, that one that will never break. We, we abandon God. 
we break our promises, we fall short, we make mistakes, we stumble along the way, we withhold confession, we, we turn our faces from God, yet God is there even in our faithlessness. God is always faithful. He does not abandon, he does not turn his face, he does not withhold from us. God is always faithful. And so we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this introduction to 1 Corinthians. It's, it seems to be a very normal greeting. It's common to, to the way Paul will introduce his letters. He's talking to this church that, that's got some issues. It's got some leadership problems. It's got some faith problems. There's, there's things that he needs to correct, things that are not going as well in this church. Can you imagine a church that does not have everything going perfectly in it? And so Paul is addressing this church. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. That grace is a gift to this church. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with, with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he concludes this introduction to this fairly dysfunctional church. He says, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship, into relationship, into community with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful. The promise God gives us is that he is faithful. He is true to his word. His, his covenant can be trusted his promises will not be broken. And so as Paul is addressing this church, addressing the issues that are going on here, he reminds them that God is faithful. That despite the, the conflict, the backbiting, the wrong thinking, God remains faithful to a church that has been called to God's purposes. In one of my uh, retreats away to, to the cabin that I like to go to, I was sitting on a bench that was overlooking a small lake, and, and it was full of Canadian geese. And I enjoyed just sitting there on, on this bench looking at the geese, as long as they're at a distance. As a child, I had a neighbor that had a big goose that chased me out of their driveway, fairly traumatic, so I don't like to get too close. But from a distance... I enjoy watching these geese, listening to their sounds as they're, they're all in the water. Something startles them and they all lift up into flight and go into another spot all together in this one smooth movement. And what I didn't know about Canadian geese is they are incredibly faithful to one another. They are devoted parents, but they also mate for life. That, that, that is the same the same geese that you see time again, and, and they have this astonishing faithfulness. I read a story about a pair of geese that chose a very unfor um, unfortunate place to nest. It was close by to a road, and, 
and they, they had the nest there, and, and the, the mother was, was on the nest. A few days after laying her eggs, she, she wanders off the path and is hit by a car. And thankfully, it's only a broken leg, and, and this goose is run off to the veterinary clinic, which is a different world that I don't understand. But this, this goose is taken to the veterinary clinic and, and mended up. By, but while the goose is gone, the male goose continues to watch over this nest and continues to sit on the nest. But from time to time, the, the, the man would need to take a break, and he would wander off, and he would go back to the place in the road where he had lost his mates, and he would sit there and wait for his mate to return, and then go back to the nest and stay with the eggs, and then go back to the road and wait for his mate to return. And it's just this beautiful picture of faithfulness, a, a commitment to someone else and gives us this picture of of God waiting there for us that we're broken and we're crippled and we're not where we're supposed to be for a variety of reasons but but he keeps checking in on us waiting for us making sure that we'll return and it's just this beautiful example of true devotion and faithfulness and so what does it mean to to be faithful what does faithfulness require in order to exist. Paul says that God is faithful. What does that mean? He, he's called us into this relationship with Christ. He, and Jesus demonstrates this ultimate faithfulness to us. That in the gift of Jesus, even being on this earth, dying for us, we see this faithful devotion given to us. For Paul, the, the, the faithfulness of God is, is bound together with the righteousness of God. That, that if God was truly righteous, then God must be faithful. The righteousness of God is, is an expression of God's faithfulness to God's own. And so how have you seen God's faithfulness in your own life? As you've journeyed through, as you've, you've seen God at work in, in miraculous ways. We've had our moments of disappointment. We've had those moments where we've wondered if God is there. But we also have those moments where we know that he never left us. Times that we turn our back. Times that, that we try to do it our own way. Times that we, we try to be independent and self-sufficient. And God's still there waiting for us. When we finally come to the end of our rope and realize that we can't do it ourselves. He's there waiting. As I was sitting there watching those geese out on that lake, I had this, this message from God saying, if you will surrender to me, I will redeem your pain, I will redeem your disappointments. But you've got to surrender to me. And he will faithfully be there in our surrender. God's steadfast faithfulness is, is something more than just a theological concept, more than just a biblical doctrine. It's, it's a loving, saving power in our lives every day. It transforms who we are. It gives us an entirely new identity and an entirely new purpose. As you look through the story of Scripture, you see this theme of this 
covenant love, this covenant relationship. Through the Old Testament, God enters into covenants with Noah and Abraham and, and David. God also initiates a covenant with the people of Israel through the law given to Moses. There's these promises made. And in Jeremiah 31, we see this shift, this, this promised new covenant that comes in the form of Jesus. Jesus comes and, and fulfills the covenants of the Old Testament. Now, Everett Ferguson, who is a scholar and a professor, says a covenant based on the promises of God and requiring the appropriate conduct by the people in response describes the relationships as love relationships. A covenant, this covenant relationship with God, requires a people with whom it is entered into. God can't just do it by himself. There's a relationship between the two. And that people may be characterized as a covenant people. When you are in this covenant relationship with God, we are, we are covenant people. The church is the new covenant community because of the faithfulness of God. And so Jesus comes to earth with this unique father-son relationship with God. And through his work on the, the cross, we're invited into the same kind of relationship with God, the same covenant relationship. And it's this new covenant relationship with God that, that totally transforms who we are and the life that we live, what we do. Let's look at it this way. If we were to visualize a triangle, and we've done, I've done this a couple years ago. If we were to visualize a triangle, we have the Father at the top of this triangle. This faithful, loving God that promises us new life. And because of this Father who adopts us into his family and calls us heirs of the kingdom, calls us sons and daughters. Because of that, we have a newfound identity. We're no longer outsiders, we're insiders. We're no longer orphans, we're children. Totally redefines who we are. We're children, we're heirs, we're, we're new creations, we're part of a new family, we're given this new identity. Jesus is connecting us with the Father. We see this faithful love to us. God's commitment to us is, is written in the blood of Jesus. And so who we are is defined by, what, by the Father's love for us, his unfaithful commitment to us. And so from this identity then comes a new responsibility, this responsibility of obedience, that we have a new calling on our lives, a, a new responsibility. We're in a new covenant, which means the law is written on our hearts and the Holy Spirit fills us and, and gives us this new life, making us free to obey God as a reflection of our new identity. And so obedience is, is the most consistent way of expressing our new identity. Because of who we are, we behave in a new way. And so obedience is an act of love toward the Father. It's not an act to receive from the Father. And so it's critical for us to remember that the, the promise of God's faithfulness, with, with, without it, our, our Christian life becomes a list of legalistic rules. 
It becomes simply checking off boxes or, or going through the motions, trying to earn the Father's love, trying to, to claim an identity for ourselves because, be, by what we do. And so there's a lie that the enemy tells us, a lie that, that too often we believe that being a good Christian is all up to you. That we have to be good enough to be saved. You must be the one that is faithful and very faithful. And so this lie tells us that, that doubt and weakness and even sin are all signs of faithlessness and therefore disqualify us from the kingdom of God. Making us unworthy of God's love. And this lie is the exact opposite of the truth. That it is not about what we do, it's not about how we behave, it's not about how we think or what we study or how frequently we attend church. That's not what saves us. Frederick Buechner defined grace as this. Nothing you have to do, nothing you have to do, nothing you have to do. It needed to be said three times. And it is this lie that drives us to perfectionism and drives us to a religiousness that is graceless. And so when we focus on the faithfulness of God, we're reminded that we are saved by faith and not by works. We're, we're given a gift of grace from a faithful God who loves us no matter what. God who is true to his promises, a God who is true to his word, true to his covenants with his covenant people. When I think about the faithful love of God, I, I think of Psalm 107 that gives this testimony to the faithfulness of God. Go ahead and turn to Psalm 107 if you would. I'm going to go through most of it, so it's not going to be on the screens. Psalm 107 starts off with, give thanks to the Lord. If God is faithful in his promises, we start with thanks. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures only when you're good enough. His love endures when you've got it all right. His love endures, no, his love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north to south. If we had the time and were prepared for it, I would love to hear the story of the redeemed. What is your story? How have you been redeemed? How have you experienced the faithfulness of God hundreds of stories in this room of why we sit here today because of the faithfulness of God. And we're at all different points in that journey. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. It then gives these four different stories, these four different examples of the steadfast love of God. In verse 4, it says, Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. 
They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord. And so this first group of people we have, have here, they're wandering around in the desert. It doesn't really say why they're wandering around in the desert, but they're wasting away. They're, they're thirsty. They're struggling. Have you ever found yourself in a desert season of life? where maybe just the depression was too strong or the finances weren't quite right or the conflict just seemed unavoidable. We found ourselves in this place wasting away in a desert and the response that they had was they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. And then verse 8, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. God is faithful. He fills them with good things. That even though they're wandering around in the desert wasteland, he leads them to where they need to go, provides for them, nourishes them, cares for them. Then we have a second group of people. Some sat in darkness, utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's command and despised the plans of the Most High. So we have this second group that, that find themselves in darkness because they've been rebellious. They haven't been doing what they know they need to be doing. And they find themselves sitting in this place of darkness. Can you relate to sitting in the darkness? We tried to do it our own way and not God's way. And so he subjected them to bitter labor, and they stumbled, and there was no one to help them. And then verse 13, they respond to this situation. They respond to sitting in the darkness. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them in their distress. He brought them out of the darkness, the utter darkness. He broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. God is faithful even when we find ourselves in dark places, even of our own doing, even of our own rebellion. God is faithful. A third group, some became fools through their rebellious ways. This is even more extreme. These, these are people who, who are just completely consumed in their own way, their own being. And suffered because of it. They suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and, and drew near to the gates of death. These are people who have gotten to the very bottom of the pit because of their mistakes, because of their failures, because of their sin. They are here at the bottom of the pit. And verse 19, they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he saves them. He sent out his word and he healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. 
And then this fourth group, some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They, they saw the works of the Lord, his, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a, a tempest and that lifted up high the waves. They, they mounted up the heavens and went down in the depths in their peril. Their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' ends. How many of you have been at your wits' end? Where you were out trying to do business? You were a merchant out at sea? You were trying to, to get things done and, and trying to do it right as much as you could? But the storms of life overtake you? And you get to your wits' ends and just can't do it anymore? You are at the very end of your rope. And how did they respond? They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wondrous deeds of mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. And so we have these four different groups. They find themselves in difficult situations, some by their own doing, some not. And they all have the same response. They cry out to the Lord in their troubles. And God always responds the same way. He's faithful. He is faithful. He doesn't grade sins. He doesn't say, well, you got yourself into it. Got to get yourself out. He responds faithfully in every situation. He can take over the situations that we're in. When we find ourselves in a pit, when we find ourselves at our, the wit's end, when we find ourselves in bondage of some sort, he can take over those situations and turn them around because God is faithful. This time of year, most of us have taken down our Christmas decorations. My Christmas lights are still up on the house, so maybe this afternoon I will go take care of that. Most of us have gotten them down by now. Ronald Patterson was visiting a woman in his church, a minister here, who, who visited this lady's house in March. If my decorations are not down by March please pay for counseling for Laura and I. Um, so he goes to this, this lady's house in March, not January, notices that up on this corner shelf there is still a single Christmas ornament left behind. And he glances up at that Christmas ornament and, and then darts his eyes away because obviously she forgot this Christmas ornament. It didn't make it into the box. It got left behind. But she catches him looking up at this Christmas ornaments. And before he could say anything, she says, no, I didn't forget. I did not forget this last ornament. 
Every year when I clean up the mess, I choose one ornament and I leave it behind. I leave it up there to remind me that Christmas is not just one day, it's not just one season, but it is a lifetime. And so that ornament is a reminder for her that Jesus walks with us every day, faithfully walking through. And so can there be a better lesson, a better description of God's faithfulness? God's faithful love for us is is not limited to a single day. It's not limited to something in the distant past. It's not limited to one moment. God's faithful love for us is for a lifetime, every day today and forever. And so can we really believe in God's promise that he is faithful? With our failures, our mistakes, our disabilities, our rebelliousness, our weirdness and quirkiness, a faithful God never walks away. Let's stand together. We're going to enter into a time of prayer. This is a time where uh, we'll have shepherds down front. You can come and pray with a shepherd. Uh, I'll be down front. You can come pray with me. Uh, you can get together as a life group or a family or, or friends. Get together and pray with one another and for one another. Most of us have claimed that we believe that God is faithful. We, we've made that step. But man, life gets a hold of us and we forget. We forget. And so we want to spend time praying together now, praying that we can remind one another of God's faithfulness, praying that we can submit and surrender to a God who will transform every mistake, transform every situation, and faithfully lead us through. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for for the blessings you give and the opportunities that you give. God, we thank you for um, your promise, your promise that you are faithful that you are who you say you are and that you will not go back on your word and you will not turn your head from us. You will not turn your back on us. We thank you for that faithfulness, for that gift. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.